Welcome to The Sipping Point, where each week we explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your host, Lori Forster, the wine coach, and I've made it my mission in life to demystify wine one glass at a time, so expect a fresh and fun approach to the world of wine, food, and so much more. We are doing something a little bit different this week on The Sipping Point. We're broadcasting this week's show from the 30th Annual Food and Wine Classic in Aspen, Colorado, where the who's who of food and wine have come together for this three-day event, and it is exciting and delicious, to say the least. We're going to talk to world-renowned wine critic Antonio Galoni of The Wine Advocate. Then we're going to check in with Andrea Robinson, master sommelier and author of Everyday Dining with Wine. And lastly, we'll check in with head thirsty girl Leslie Zbracco, see what she has going on at the festival and how you too can become a thirsty girl. So let's go ahead and get started. Next to me is seated Antonio Galoni from the Wine Advocate. And he is one of the world's most renowned wine critics, working for Robert Parker, who, of course, is the head honcho still. But you were exposed to wine at a young age, which is unusual in America. Most of us learn about wine as an adult. But your parents were in the wine business. And so you, you know, started from the very beginning, but then got into the restaurant business and have a love for both California and Italian wines, which we're really going to dig down deep on. And but you majored in music. So I love that you're sort of a renaissance man, I guess. So welcome to the Sipping Point Radio. Thanks so much, Lori. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be great. Yeah. You're at the Aspen Food and Wine uh, as a featured speaker. And your class, one that really caught my eye, is called Piedmont Beyond Barolo. And Piedmont, Italy, in the northwest of Italy, is one of my favorite regions in the whole world. And I'm a big Barolo fanatic. So big, bold red wines that are usually pretty expensive. So I was intrigued by your take on Beyond Barolo, uh, you have a fondness for this area, so maybe set us up with why you love it so much and how we can go beyond Barolo. Well, I mean, a lot of reasons, Lori, and you've been there, so I think you probably know a lot of the reasons that I fell in love with Piedmont, and I imagine they're the same reasons you fall in love with Piedmont. But one of them is really, um, you know, Piedmont is Italy's Burgundy. It's mm-hmm. uh, wines made by family-run domains. These are generally very unmanipulated wines, very pure wines, very direct, very honest. They speak of the grape. They speak of where they're from, who made them, and uh, they just are loaded with character. Right. Um, you know, and I have grown up with these wines basically my entire life. And um, for me, they, there's a real strong emotional attachment to the great wines of Piedmont. And so the reason that I wanted to do the seminar, though, is, you know, Barolo is uh, one of the world's great wines, along with First Growth Bordeaux, Grand Cru Burgundy, uh, great California Cabernets and Pinots and Shards. Uh, for me, uh, Barolo and Barbaresco are very much in that upper echelon of wines. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, the price is often <laughs> in the upper echelon as well. But the point of the seminar is really that you don't have to spend an enormous amount of money to really drink great wines from Piedmont. And so I picked six wines that, yeah, that, that really, I think, showcase that. These are all wines that are under $25 uh, retail. I picked wines that are from great vintages. And so if you can't necessarily find these six wines, you know that 2010 is a great vintage for Dolcetto. And pretty much any Dolcetto from a reputable, reputable producer in 2010 is going to be beautiful. A lot of great. dark fruit, licorice, tar, great fruit intensity, um, and great food wines. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, my listeners, probably aren't so familiar with Dolcetto. It gives a very darkly colored, you know, good fruit, but they can have some backbone of tannin to them as well. It kind of depends on the producer, right? 
Yeah, so Dolcetto is actually the everyday wine of Piedmont. And yes, the fruit profile tends to be darker, sort of blueberry, blackberry, licorice-y. Um, and Dolcetto does have a fair amount of tannin, which is one of the reasons it can age quite well, even though it's generally not intended for that. Um, but these are, this is sort of the introduction to, to Piemonte, to Piedmont, to uh, really high-quality artisan-made wines. And mm-hmm. um, it's curious that Dolcetto has never really caught on in a big way in the United States. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to showcase that again, you know, um, Everybody knows the great, you know, wines from all over the world, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are benchmarks. But I think the real interest is in discovering something new, something that, um, you know, where you can go to a restaurant and find one of these wines and not spend a fortune, where you can open a bottle on a Monday or Tuesday night and not really feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And that's really the point of those two dolcettos. Yes. And you have one from Elio Altare, who is... uh, the modern godfather of Barolo. And I have visited there. What's so amazing, because to me, he's a rock star, you know, so I'm like in awe of him. And the, the property is so small, which is so typical of many of the producers there. It, you just, it kind of, you know, your brain does a double take and, because you look at this like this is one of the best producers in the region and he has this, you know, couple hectares of land that he's producing those wines, but also the Dolcettos. So you're kind of getting like this rock star producer with an everyday wine. Is yeah. that sort of what you look for on a list too? Well, that's a really great point because if you're looking for value in wine, one great way to do it is to look for the lesser or the entry-level wines of the great producers. That's true in, in Piedmont. It's true in Burgundy. It's true in a lot of parts of the world. You know, uh, Obviously, the famous wines people know about, they command equally famous prices. But sure, you pick a, uh, a great Dolcetto or Barbera from a top-tier producer, and you've got a very good chance of getting a delicious wine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love your tip about the vintage, and I think many of my listeners will write in that they get so confused is this vintage good or is it not good and so you know right right off the bat you said dolcetto 2010 you're not going to go wrong yeah great vintage (laughs) a late harvest vintage which is uh, perfect for piedmont you know piedmont is a region that really needs that late harvest to get color to get aroma to get structure in the wines and 2010 dolcettos to me are beautiful i mean it's textbook if you said you know i want to taste a dolcetto to see if i'm really going to like this kind of wine or not 2010 is typical of what you can expect okay yeah now the barbera is the other grape here uh, yep. that you know, many of the locals, that's what they would be drinking that's on a right. daily basis, right? They would laugh at us that we would open a Barolo at 10 o'clock at night or something silly like that. So tell me a little bit more about Barbera as, you know, c- contrast or compare it to Dolcetto. Okay, so Barbera is typically a juicier, fruitier, bigger wine than, than Dolcetto, which can be a little bit more of a focus style, a little bit more minerally. And, uh, you know, but the same thing, you know, you're looking for top producers with great vineyards, making handmade wine. And I picked two, Sottimano and El Viocogno. 2009 is a vintage that gave riper, flashier, supple wines. So if you're new to Piedmont and you want to start, 2009 Barbera is very accessible. You know, mm-hmm. Barbera, unlike the other great um, uh, grapes of Piedmont is a is a low tannin grape, so it's very friendly, very easygoing. You know, you could say it, it's sometimes Pinot Noir like, especially kind of the riper style of Pinot might not stray too far from from what you have with Barbera. And again, 09, supple, radiant, vintage. Um, right. You're going to find that across a lot of the wines. Love it. And one of the great things you have at eRobertParker.com is a vintage chart. Yep. So you gave us some great tips, 2009 for the Barbera and 2010 for the Dolcetto. 
but you can go and get the whole chart, right, of the world and get some idea of the quality of each That's vintage. right. Yeah, it's a great introduction, especially when you're learning about a region for the first time and you sort of want a 40-foot thousand view. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a point at which you move beyond that, but if you're sort of thinking about sort of a high-level overview of vintage, yeah, that's a really good starting point. Great. And one more question. It's a little, a little off here, but okay. considering your music background, have you seen any of the studies about the music you listen to as you drink the wine and how it affects the process of enjoyment of the wine? Are you at all interested in that? I'm interested. I mean, I think, you know, at its best, you know, the, the, the thing about great wines, there's always a, a conversation in wine. Should a great wine be hedonistic and really about sensuality or should it be more intellectual? I think great wine, like great music, should satisfy all of those senses. That is what makes a great wine, that you get a lot of pleasure out of it, but each glass reveals a new shade of expression. Great music is like that, too. I'm not sure what the correlation is. Maybe I should think about that when I'm (laughs) rushing against my deadline. I usually like really loud music (laughs) when the deadline gets close, but, you know, it is, it's true, but, you know, wines are, you know, they are changing every day, and I'm sure that the music that you listen to could affect your mood and therefore your your view of a wine, Um, but I think hopefully great wines cut across all of that and the greatness emerges no matter what right all right if folks want to find out more about you and your reviews and get some more of your suggestions where can they go so we have a website it's erobertparker.com and then our print publication is called the wine advocate it's been around since 1978 and uh, both of those are i think great sources for great. getting into wine well this has been amazing thank you so much for being on the show and You're i welcome. hope to see you again soon thanks Lori. maybe Cheers. in piedmont yes i love that <laughs> thanks thank you